welcome to another episode of the Get Back Coach, presented by Apollo Media. Great to be back. Summer is upon us, which means the anticipation for college football is starting to get really, really high right now. Our season three premiere, Jay, how are we doing, my man? But I am doing fantastic. Just uh, really excited for this season to get started. And uh, over the course of the off season, I mean, we've got some news. We actually have a sponsor. What? Kind a sponsor? Of, I guess. I mean, it's my full-time job, so I don't know if it really counts. But uh, It counts. The Pocket Talk Festival is coming to Houston in April of 2024, and we're here to spread the word. Pocket Talk, the Sports World's Fair. So it's going to be kind of like South by Southwest, but for sports, going to have all kinds of cool stuff going on. Sports tech, the latest there. We're going to have live competitions. There's going to be, uh, you know, televised games, tailgates field days. I mean, it's going to be just an incredible event. Really excited about it. But uh, yeah, Pocket Talk is on the board for the Get Back Coach. Uh, sponsor number one, technically. I love it. I, I keep seeing, because you're, you're doing uh, stuff from them all the time, um, it looks so interesting and it looks so cool. And it's it's one of those things that if you're in the Houston area, I think you re- got to really check out, especially, I mean, if you're a sports fan or not, I think it's, it's, if you're a sports fan, you should especially go check it out. Um, Love it. Pocket talk, baby. Yeah. I mean, it's shit. Even if you're not a, and that's, that's great. We're setting the tone. We're cussing our first ad read. Uh, (laughs) Even if you're not a sports fan or even if you're not in Houston, I mean, if you, I mean, it's four day event. If you're thinking about coming down to Houston to experience uh, April in, in Texas for some awesome sports stuff, it's, I think it should be high up on your list. You know, I mean, it's, it's gotta be a, like I said, we're going to have a lot going on, so I think Pocket Talk is going to be uh, a pretty big household name coming up in the in the next few months. Love it. Can't wait. Can't wait to see how it all turns out. Who knows? Maybe I'll take a trip to Houston and travel the hundreds, maybe thousands miles. I'm not sure. Uh, down to Houston. <clears throat> but let's take a look at some headlines. We have not had an episode since January after Georgia wins their second national title going back to back. Um, but the big news, big 10 and sec schedules are out in 2024. The conference realignment, um, is shaping up Texas, Oklahoma going to the sec, UCL, UCLA and USC going to the big 10. So let's take a look. Let's start with the sec first. Okay. And let's take a look at some of these, some of these schedules. Jay, what, oh, well, I, I already know what your answer is going to be, but what jumps out to you initially? Uh, Texas and Texas A&M being back, obviously. You knew that was coming. I think we all knew that was coming. Uh, so glad that this game's finally back on the schedule. But there are some other contests that are fun. I mean, Oklahoma being in the SEC provides some really fun matchups, mm-hmm. uh, I think. And and Texas being in there as well. Uh, obviously, uh, Texas gets to host Georgia in their first year in the SEC, and A&M still fun. hasn't hosted Georgia. So uh, I'm not bitter, but. You know, that, that game's going to be fun on the schedule for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as things that jump out to me, though, I mean, it's it's the Lone Star Showdown. I mean, it has to be, right? Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And and we knew the Red River rivalry would pretty much be intact with Texas and Oklahoma. Um, they're definitely going to keep that. But, yeah, Texas and Texas A&M playing again, they have to play that game uh, the weekend of Thanksgiving. They have to, right? I think it should be. I think it, honestly, I think it should go back to being on Thanksgiving Day. I, I don't know if that'll be the the case. Uh, no, it used to be the night game Thanksgiving. Uh, now the Egg Bowl's there. I wonder if the SEC kind of shies away from that so that there's not competition. Uh, but there's some people that don't want to go back to that game being on Thanksgiving. They they think the A and M LSU Thanksgiving weekend is better. Uh, I think those people are kind of being idiots personally, but. Uh, We'll see what happens. I mean, there's always going to be moving parts in the uh, and when you have this many teams coming together now with the realignment, yeah, somebody's going to have to get their toes stepped on. So we'll see what happens. I mean, the thing is, Texas A&M and LSU, it is a fun game and it is a fun matchup. 
But the Lone Star Showdown just has all that history. Um, maybe play the game on Black Friday. Would you be opposed to that? Yeah, I think Black Friday could work for sure. Uh, yeah. You know, especially like if, if the SEC wants to keep the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving night, mm-hmm. uh, I think Black Friday slots in nicely. Uh, I would personally love that. I think mm-hmm. it, it it's also like we talked about this uh, as an A&M fan on my the other podcast that I'm on that's Aggie specific uh, on Aggie Warpod with my guy, Mike Craven. It's been a family affair for so long right like Mm -hmm. you you gather with your family on thanksgiving in texas you're watching the texas and texas a&m game Mm -hmm. and obviously that hasn't been the case for the past uh decade but it's uh having it on thanksgiving weekend is just it just feels right so i hope we get back to that and i hope uh you know, fights break out over that at, at family Thanksgivings uh, for years to come uh, with with AM and Texas being back on the docket. Yeah, this might be an out, out of left field question, but it's something I just thought of. Do you think there's a possibility they might not might not want to put it on the Thanksgiving, not because of the Egg Bowl, but because of the Dallas Cowboys being on that same day? Uh, I, I don't think so because the, the Cowboys have been playing on Thanksgiving for forever. I think it's right. I think it's more just the because uh, like the Cowboys were always during the day mm-hmm. and Texas Texas A&M was always at night. And that, mm-hmm. that was how it was done for forever. Right. And it, it made sense that way. Mm-hmm. Cowboys on at like three thirty, four thirty, And then at seven thirty, get Lone Star showdown. Yeah. That and makes I mean, that's a uh, part of why I love the, the tradition of, of football in Texas. I felt mm-hmm. like those two things, those like, I wasn't even an, an A&M or a Texas fan growing up. I was an OU fan. Right. But I still like remember watching those games uh, in, in tandem with the Cowboy games. And I, I wasn't a Cowboys fan either, but uh, still just, just tuned into those. And it was a lot of fun. I mean, it's mm-hmm. I've always associated Thanksgiving with with football in the state of Texas. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I think Texas. I think a lot of people associate football on Thanksgiving, but I think Texas, it, it takes it to another level. Because for so many years you had the Lone Star show, Showdown. And uh, also, I mean, we don't talk NFL in here, but Dallas Cowboys definitely help with that too. So it's definitely a big time. Um, it's a big time football day around the country, but I think Texas, it, it takes it to a whole nother level. So why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you give it, give the Lone Star Showdown that? Um, looking at some of these, Oklahoma, they have, let's see, they have to go to, to Alabama. Or sorry, no, to LSU, to Auburn, Ole Miss, Missouri. I mean, LSU is going to be tough. You don't know what's going to happen with Auburn or Ole Miss or Missouri for that matter. Again, this is this isn't this upcoming year. This is the year after. Um, you're going to have home games against Alabama, Tennessee, and South Carolina. That's really tough. And then they also uh, waste a home game in Dallas for the cotton bowl or the, uh, the red river um, yeah, on the, on the flip side of that though. I mean, I think you'd rather get those big teams at home. Uh, absolutely. That reminds me like A&M's 2024 home schedule. There's some big marquee opponents coming in. I didn't even bring this up, but uh, Notre Dame is the, the marquee out of conference foe coming to Kyle really? Field in 2024. So you have Notre Dame, you have Alabama coming to town, mm-hmm. and then you have the first A and M Texas game coming to Kyle Field in over a decade. So uh, season tickets are going to go quick. So what's what's the hard what's the harder ticket, Texas A and M Texas or Taylor Swift tickets? <laughs> so my girlfriend was the one that brought that up. I don't know if you knew that. Oh wait, wait was that her? Yeah, because I did see someone tweet that. I didn't know. Yeah, was that, that was my girlfriend. She okay. went she went viral uh, tweeting that she thought that. Uh, Texas A&M, Texas tickets were going to be harder to get than, than Eras Tour tickets. Uh, and, and she has a point because she managed to score uh, tickets to both the Dallas show and the Houston show for the Eras mm-hmm. Tour. And uh, we're a lot more worried about getting tickets to the A&M Texas game than we absolutely. are for that. <laughs> that Kyle Field's going to be absolutely incredible. It's going to be absolutely incredible. Um, A&M has to go on the road to what? Auburn, Mississippi State, Florida, South Carolina. I mean... Again, we don't know where any of these programs are going to be. Texas A&M has had some fun in um, in Columbia, South Carolina, though. I um, have, for sure. Yeah, you have, for sure. <laughs> um, so we'll see there. Texas. Let's look at Texas here. Uh, 
So they burn an away game on the Red River. Good for them. Uh, and then going to Texas A&M and then at Arkansas, at Vandy. I think that's – I mean, besides A&M, getting Arkansas and Vanderbilt I think is pretty um, – is a, is a pretty nice luck of the draw for away games. Uh, and then at home, Mississippi State, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky. I mean, listen, Georgia is going to be really tough. We don't know where Florida is. Mississippi State is a mystery. Kentucky looks like they might be trending down. Um, actually, that's okay. Georgia's going to be Georgia. That's not a that's not an awful draw for Texas, though. No, it's not. Uh, I mean, I, I think we can. We're looking two years ahead, right? Like mm-hmm. that's the other part of this is we're talking 2024 and we haven't played the 2023 season yet. Yeah. So bear with us, but it's, a uh, it's going to be interesting for sure. I think, uh, Georgia is probably going to be a lot to be good for the next three to four years at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens, but it shapes up for A&M and Texas to both have pretty good years going into the final oh, yeah. week of the season. Absolutely. Um, now, Jay, I you are the SEC um, representation here. Are you okay with the eight game? No. Play nine. <laughs> and wait, I hate eight, it. I was A and M? What side of the fence was A and M on? A and M was on the nine side of the nine side of the. Fence. Everyone else does it, you know, and yeah, that's the thing. Like everyone else, and I understand, you know. Um, Florida has to play Florida State. So you're saying, well, hey, you know, we have to play another Power Five team in our out of conference. And I, and hey, that's great. But if you're going to do that, then why can't the Big Ten say, hey, we're just going to not play any? And this is what the Big Ten's starting to do is, oh, the SEC's only going to play nine, uh, nine Power Five teams. Okay. Then we're not going to schedule anybody out of conference. If everyone's on the same playing field, but which sucks, it does suck. It sucks for everybody. Now, however, Ohio state, give them credit has always played a marquee opponent every year has played a power five opponent. Um, I want to say 11 out of the 14 big 10 teams are playing 10 or 11, 10 or 11 um, power five teams. So everyone's playing at least one, you know, Penn state's playing West Virginia. I know West Virginia is very down right now, but they, they didn't know that at the time. Um, uh, Plus that's kind of a historic rivalry in its own, right? I mean, it's, it's, they've, they've played each other. They played each other a lot. They played each other a lot uh, in the series, in the wins and losses. It doesn't look great, but they've played each other a lot in Penn state's independent, independent days, but like Purdue, I think Purdue plays, uh, 12 games and the schedule. I think they play 11 power five teams, Purdue. Like, I don't know. The big 10 is still, even if it's a, a smaller team, like they're at least going out and at least playing somebody. And I don't know. I just think like the sec is like, Hey, we're going to get two teams in. We're probably going to get two teams in anyway. Then why do it? I don't know. Um, I'm glad to hear that Texas A&M was on the, was on the yeah. they they weren't afraid side. The flip side of that is I think that it's going to trend back towards getting more teams on the docket when you get into the twelve team playoff mm-hmm. and you can make a mistake uh, over the course of a season. I think teams will, will realize that one it's a it's going to be a bigger money draw to have those games out of conference. Yep, and we we know that money is what really makes all this go oh, around. Yeah. Absolutely, uh, and two. Losing isn't necessarily the death nail, right? No. Like it, it, it's, you still have a chance. Uh, but I mean, you talked about big 10. Do we want to go ahead and get into the, uh, the big 10 schedule here? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I, right before we do that, I do have a flip side to what you said. Cause I, I mentioned this before and I hope this doesn't happen. Jay, I hope you are correct. And teams are going to play more premier opponents, but with a 12 team playoff, I just have a feeling a bad feeling that teams are going to say we're not going to play anybody great at a conference so that we have a better chance of getting to 10 wins and then therefore being included in that 10 team playoff. I hope that's not the case. 
I hope that's not what happens. But I have a bad feeling that teams are going to be like, hmm, you know, what does Georgia have to play somebody at a conference? Well, they're going to have Georgia Tech anyway. Well, they are going to have Georgia Tech, but Georgia Tech's been very <laughs> – Georgia Tech's been as good as as any, you know, group of five out there. They they were – I don't know. That's – Georgia Tech's a story for another day yeah. before we get too off topic. Um, all right, let's, let's take a look at the Big Ten here. Um, so right away, uh, USC has to go to Penn State and then – it's a little underwhelming for USC going away, Maryland, Purdue, Northwestern, and then they have to play at UCLA. Um, again, a little underwhelming for them to play those games away. And uh, no offense, Ross Aid can is can be a sneaky good place to play, but if Purdue's going through some growing pains, you don't know. Um, man, I will say I can't wait to watch. USC and Northwestern on at noon in like rain at like 40 degrees. That's going to be glorious. Oh, it's going to be so good. Um, now I do think they're going to keep them away from the, I think they're going to keep them away from the East coast in November. Um, and big 10 teams, they're not going to be playing at night in November anyway. Um, so I think that will protect them a little bit, but Going to the Coliseum, Illinois, okay, Iowa, Michigan, Wisconsin. Now, Michigan, obviously, that's going to be a huge draw. But listen, Iowa and Wisconsin are those two teams in the West, great defense, solid football teams consistently every single year. I think those are going to be just so contrasting styles, and it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh and obviously, I mean, like those Big Ten teams going to the West Coast will be fun too. I'm sure they'll look forward to getting a little vacation oh, late in the season when they end up going mm-hmm. uh, to the to the sunny skies of Los Angeles. <laughs> oh, absolutely! And then on the flip side, you have UCLA. Um, UCLA has it a little bit tougher. Um, their away games: Indiana, Rutgers, uh, but also have to go to Iowa and to Michigan. So I think that's and out of conference, they have at LSU on the schedule. That's going to be tough. That's going to be tough. But again, so now you're playing 10 power five teams. If you're yep. UCLA, because <laughs> you, you draw Ohio state and USC at home. I mean, good that you have them at home. Like you have Ohio state at home. You, listen, they have Minnesota and Nebraska. And Nebraska's <laughs> building something with Matt Rule. This is not UCLA. Probably may may have gotten the worst of it. And they get the uh, giant killer group of five team in Fresno State. Oh, really? Wait. And this is all. This is all one year. This is all twenty twenty four. So who? Well, they, who's they, their cupcake game? At Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Wait. So so again. Again, you want to talk about a, a difference in schedules here. We just talked about it. UCLA joins the Big Ten. Ten, um, ten Power Five opponents. Then Fresno State, who is not your typical group of five, who is usually decent. Okay, They're going to have a little bit of a rebuilding, but it's still Fresno. And then your cupcake game is Hawaii, but you have to play in Hawaii. And then let's let's be clear too. In, in two years, Hawaii could be a lot better. Yes. Oh yeah, they were they were bad this year. They were bad this year, but I, I mean, it, it was a project. Todd Graham kind of really shafted that program. Yeah, Todd. Well, I have no, I have nothing good to say about Todd Graham. So, so <laughs> no, I don't think say, either one I'm, of us. I'm do. not. I'm not going to say anything at all. Um, just looking at this from again a Penn State's fans perspective. Um, 2024. I think looks 2024 is going to be a lot of fun, man. A lot of fun home games, USC, Ohio state, Nebraska, Michigan state. And then you got Northwestern. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, did you say, did you say Michigan state? 
Yes, I did. Okay. Yeah. So we, we do get to keep the land grant trophy. At the least land grant trophy survives. The land grant trophy survives for the time being. Um, now in 2025 though, um, 2025, it is Illinois, Minnesota, Rutgers, UCLA. Eh, not the best, not the best home schedule there in 2025. Um, that whiteout game there might be UCLA just cause it's like a new opponent and it's like, Hey, welcome to the show type deal. Um, you know, but who, who knows, but Penn state in 2025 has to go to Maryland or sorry, to Iowa, to Michigan, to Michigan state, to USC and Maryland. That is a rough, rough away schedule in 2025. But again, that's in three years. We have no idea what's going to happen then, but very much looking forward to USC. And um, it's, I think it's almost like full go full blown guarantee that USC game is going to probably be the whiteout in 2024. Yeah. Unless it's um, late in the season. I think you're, you're betting on it being pretty, mm-hmm. pretty high up in the rankings. Exactly. Now, before we move on. Okay. One things with one of the things with the schedule is that teams have protected, protected matchups. Okay, so some of our some of our protected matchups, for example, in the Big Ten. Um, okay, protected matchups so far. So it's it's a two play system. Okay, so you're going to play a home and home against these three teams. Okay, so for example, Penn State has Michigan State, Rutgers, USC. Okay, not a bad draw. USC has to play a home and home against. Penn State, UCLA, Wisconsin, UCLA, Nebraska, Rutgers, and then USC. And then in those two play opponents, you have two protected, or sorry, you have, it, it, it shouldn't be just two. Most teams have two, but Iowa has three. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Iowa has Minnesota, Nebraska, Wisconsin. That's all, that's all protected. Uh, Nebraska, the only one that's protected is Iowa. Purdue has Illinois, Indiana, Michigan has Michigan State, Ohio State, okay, and so on and so forth. Penn State does not have a single protected opponent, okay, which I like because that means the the schedule can go anywhere you want. And since Penn State is kind of the, they were like the first team to align with the Big Ten um, in 1993, you know, it kind of makes a little bit of sense, but Jay, it's the first, first episode of the year. We must put on our tinfoil hats. Are you ready? Let's put on the, (laughs) we're putting on the tin. There we go. We're putting on the tinfoil hats and I have a theory. I have a theory and this is my tinfoil hat theory. Penn state does not have a protected opponent in the, in the uh, two-play opponent system for the Big Ten right now. Because, because Pitt's coming in. No. Not Pitt. <laughs> not I just Pitt. To, I just wanted to piss you off there for a second. Not Pitt. Don't get me started. I was I was getting into it with people with Pitt, Pitters two days ago. Anyway, um, because they're going to try and get Notre Dame. And when Notre Dame joins, that will be – one of their protected opponents. I mean, personally, I think Penn State should have kept the uh, land grant trophy. I think that should have been protected, but we can't always get what we want. We can't uh, always get what we want. And that was the only, the land grant would actually make sense because Michigan State only has one team protected in Michigan. That would have given them another protected opponent. Um, so the Michigans would have, both the Michigan schools would have two protected opponents. But I, and Honestly, Jay, you may not be that far off with Pitt either. Because <laughs> if the ACC implodes, which it might, Pitt will be on the outside looking in. Now, personally, I would say, have fun in the American. Um, but there might be people in the Big Ten that would take Pitt. Pitt is a very respected academic institution, would fit in well in the Big Ten. Me, personally, I would say... Uh, go kick rocks, have fun with Syracuse. But um, the Big Ten might say, hey, we'll pick up Notre Dame. Um, but th- there's so much uh, there's so much that could happen. You don't know if Oregon and Washington are going to join the fold, which I, Penn State doesn't have 
any history with any of those two schools. So it's really hard to say. But my tinfoil hat theory is Penn State does not have a protected opponent because the Big Ten is still trying to pull Notre Dame, and that's who would be the protected opponent. Which which I don't think is out of the realm of possibility. Uh, I think Notre Dame coming in is more likely than them being the protected opponent, but uh, I think that could also be uh, a possibility. I just think that Notre Dame may have a little more history with, let's say, a Michigan. I think Michigan mm-hmm. is is an immediate protected opponent and, there. And um, Jay, I would say the same thing. However, if you're going to protect Michigan State, the Michigan State matchup, or the or a Notre Dame, you're they're going to protect the Michigan State matchup. Yeah, fair. Um, and no, and they do have more of a history with Michigan. Um, but listen, when Penn State and Notre Dame were both independent, they played each other all the time. Yeah. So that's where I was kind of thinking there. Flip but. side too, uh, Notre Dame and USC. We talked about it a little bit on the Twitter account today. George mm-hmm. Shalaley. Yeah, that would be, and I think that would be Notre Dame's other protected opponent. They would have protected yeah. opponents against those two. And then USC, does USC have someone else protected? No, USC doesn't UCLA. have anyone. Well, besides UCLA. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Bes- Besides UCLA, so they would have they two got the uh, the two groups of new schools are paired together: Maryland and Rutgers, and USC and UCLA. Right, which that makes I mean that that makes sense to me too. I'm actually yeah. really glad Penn State doesn't have a um, uh, protected with Rutgers or Maryland. I'm actually happy about that. Like, <laughs> I think Penn State Maryland's a good matchup. I think they should have done that. <laughs> I mean, it's fun. It is like Maryland, Penn State, they're right on the border of each other. And but it's I think Maryland's although Maryland has won twice since they've joined, so I mean there's more there than Rutgers. Yeah. Um but we won't pile on Rutgers too much today. Well um, uh I, I'm gonna call an audible here. And okay. Since we're talking about Maryland. Okay. Uh Mike Loxley. Yeah, so this is a quote that, and we won't spend too much time on from, it, but from Mike Loxley, who I dumped Mayo on. Yes, Mike Loxley, who you dumped Mayo on, who was not happy about when he took the hat off. You dumped more on him. Just a little extra shake. Just a little extra. He was not a. He he did not look happy with his giant hat. Um. So Mike Loxley makes a comment that I think is a turning point in the facilities arms race of college football. And if you haven't been following NIL has become more and more popular um, to uh, recruit players to your school. I mean, who? I mean, it's pretty simple. Give, give players a sponsorship. They collect money and then they go, they go to your school and, and ball out. So Maryland was starting to make headway in this facilities arms race. Got a brand new locker room. Facilities are looking nice. They got their boots, boosters to pony up the money. Mike Loxley makes a comment um, to a reporter saying that all of this money coming in, the resources for the facility are a little badly timed because now it's hard to get the same boosters to pony up NIL money. So, and he, again, the quote is they'd get dressed in a trash can for $25,000. So Jay, is the, is the facilities arms race over? Yes and no. Uh, I think that the money is definitely going to shift to the NIL, but I, I do think that there's a certain level of uh, facilities arms race that's still going to be going on, especially in the stadiums, because to, to have those boosters spend money, you need to make the stadium attractive to them to for them Absolutely. to come to. Mm-hmm. So maybe as far as a locker room aspect, the arms race is over. But you know, to to convince your boosters that that they are making a good investment with their NIL money, uh, you're still going to want those boosters at the game, and and that's going to involve an arms race in the stadium. Yeah, and I like the thing is for years we've been seeing like these crazy locker rooms and like like Clemson's Lazy River. And in their wiffle ball field and everything like that. And and yeah, that's all fun. And that's awesome. But you kind of looked at that and was like, can they just play the players already? Like, we know why you're doing this. 
you're doing this to get more guys and like, just, just pay them, you know? Yeah. Um, but again, it's, and, and we've talked about this before. It's been beaten to death, but it's all the, is it going to be fair if one school has more money? But right now with NIL, I do think it's all going to balance itself out eventually. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think you're still going to need some improvements. Like mm-hmm. if your facility's falling apart, people are still not going to go there. I think Loxley's exaggerating a little bit when he says that they change in a trash can, but I do think the NIL is going to be more of the arms race than the the facilities. Well, you know, Jay, you're, you're a former division one athlete. Um, if you were going to go to a place and I'm, we're not going to mention names, but you knew one place was going to pay you. You had an NIL deal lined up. You knew if, Hey, if I go to this place, I'm going to have an NIL deal lined up for $40,000. Okay. Or I get to go to a place like, um, Clemson or, you know, LSU, that's going to have these crazy facilities and are going to be really nice, but you, you're not sure about the NIL. You, you're not, it's not a full gone conclusion that you're going to get a good deal there. Where are you going? Uh, I'm probably taking the 40,000. You're probably uh, taking the 30, 40,000, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, exactly. that's a lot of money. It is. It's a lot of money. That's it's like a lot of a, money for us now, let yeah, alone a tw- I mean, an 18 year old kid. That's a Subaru Outback and then some. That is a Subaru Outback. <laughs> <laughs> they still haven't paid. They still haven't given you the sponsorship for a Subaru Outback. No, I, I I went ahead and just bought one. So unfortunately, they didn't. But if they want to get in on the podcast, they can be a sponsor. So there we go. Just say See that our ears are open, Subaru. Our ears are open. Um, where do you want to go next, Jay? Let's uh talk about. I mean, you mentioned it as a program with great facilities, LSU. Okay. They're uh they're on probation. <laughs> Three years of probation from uh thirty-seven wins vacated from the Les Miles era from 2012 to 2015. Um, and that also puts Les Miles out of the college football hall of fame. Um so here's Jay. Vacating wins. Is it a good punishment or does anyone really care? I don't think anyone really cares, but I mean, I think it's a good punishment in the case of the coach, right? Cause mm-hmm. uh, that takes some, some points off his resume, but uh, it doesn't affect the, the program in my no. opinion. Uh, you look at like Louisville had to vacate their 2014 NCAA basketball championship. Oh right? yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody still knows they won the NCAA basketball championship exactly. in 2014. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, absolutely. You take the trophy away, but we we all know, and like, you can't take the feelings away from those fans. No, so like, yeah, you I can't don't, give I don't feelings think, back. No, I don't. I don't think the wins, vacating wins. I don't think that matters too much. No. Uh, I mean, I think it's really just kind of a, it's a slap on the wrist to me. It's a facade. It's a hey, this is what we're doing, but it doesn't really matter. And and the, the other thing is, it's not fair. It's not fair to the players either. Or I guess the players really don't care because, hey, we lived it. We we won those games, you know. So I guess if you're going to punish en- anybody, I guess you can. That That's the person to punish is the person behind it. <laughs> yeah, and it really sucks as an AM fan knowing that in 2012, uh, if A&M beats LSU, uh, one of those wins that's been vacated, A&M would have been in the SEC championship. Oh, wow. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that hurts, little, that hurts little, you a little bit. unless you have a time machine that can fix it that way, it, it just hurts more, honestly. What year was that? 13? That was 2012. That's 12. Uh, so A&M had two losses. Uh, they lost to Florida in the first game of the season, first game in the SEC. Uh, and then they lost to LSU. Uh, both of them were one score games. And they that was the year that they beat Bama. Obviously, uh, mm-hmm. Johnny yep. Manziel's kind of coming out party, and then smoked Oklahoma in the in the Cotton Bowl. Yes, uh, you can't tell me like I mean I, I'm definitely biased here. I think getting by Georgia in the SEC championship in Atlanta is the hard part. Mm-hmm. But if they get to uh, the championship game against Notre Dame, I, I think they handle Notre Dame as well. Would 
Wouldn't it have been Al- wait, wouldn't it have been Alabama? No, because uh Alabama they beat oh, Alabama in that's the SEC right. play. They had the tiebreaker, right? Yeah. That's right. They would have been out. Oh wow. <laughs> Oof. Were you a so freshman? That hurts. That hurts. Uh were no, f- I was I was a recruit at that you time. Were a recruit I was a senior in high school. Okay. Oh man, that was that's rough. So A and M fans listening, just try don't I, I could see A and M people like listening to this on their way to work and then like squeezing the the steering wheel for like dear life of frustration. <laughs> Stomping um, on the gas pedal. <laughs> I did not realize this affected me. Uh you know. Um all right. So Les Miles, uh out of the college football hall of fame. Uh I, I have no feelings towards it. Um did some shady stuff at LSU, did some shady things at Kansas, did some creepy things at Kansas. Um, I have, I I've met Ella, or Les Miles before, uh, again, just kind of in a passing. Um, but I, I, I have no, I'm not, I'm not very, I know LSU fans are going to be very passionate that he should. Um, I, I think you might be surprised on that note. <laughs> they did. There were a lot of people who did want him gone like before he was uh before he was fired i knew there were a lot of people that i know the boosters did not like him very much because he didn't win quote unquote didn't win big games um but yeah i don't know i'm i'm not, i'm indifferent about it i'm not going to be banging the table either way but it didn't sound like he was it sounded like he was very shady and so in that part i i really don't care which to be fair most college football programs and coaches are <laughs> all most of the good ones. <laughs> yep. Most of the good ones. Um, sp- uh, speaking of shady individuals, and eh, no, he's not shady. I'm sorry. Um, your favorite pit head coach and mine, Pat Narduzzi, uh, <laughs> got into a little war, a squabble. Let's call it a squabble. Squabble is a good word. It got into a little squabble with Deion Sanders. Uh, Deion Sanders, if you've been living on, if you've been living under a rock, Deion Sanders has accepted the job at Colorado. Actually, I think right now he's under. Is he under surgery for his foot? Uh, I'm not sure. I know he. There's a threat of Deion Sanders possibly losing his his foot. Hopefully, that's all taken care of. Again, I don't love Deion, but you know, obviously, I, I obviously I want the man to keep his foot. Um, but this whole interaction is lovely for me. Okay. So again, Deion Sanders takes over Colorado. 70 Colorado players are in the transfer portal. Okay. 50 scholarship players. Deion Sanders was basically telling the guys, uh, listen, you're not on scholarship anymore. We're going to overhaul this entire thing. So in, in at one point I'm thinking that's, I don't love that move because you have guys that are there. You're basically telling a player, Hey, we're revoking your scholarship. Um, even though I don't know you at all, we're going to take your scholarship away and Hey, good luck somewhere else. Or you can try and walk on. So you're not putting the player in a very good situation. So I don't like it because of that. Um, I do understand that he's trying to overhaul the entire program, but also if you're telling that many people to go and you don't have that many players coming in, you're have a good, you're going to have a very bad football team on your hands um, come fall. So that leads to Pat Narduzzi. And he told 24 seven sports. This Pat Narduzzi says, that's not the way it's meant to be. Uh, you cannot overhaul or that's not what the rule intended to be. It was not to overhaul your roster. We'll see how it works out. But that to me looks bad on college football coaches across the country. The reflection is on one guy right now. But when you look at it overall, those kids that have moms and dads and brothers and sisters and goals in life, I don't know how many of those 70 that I, that left wanted to leave or they were kicked in the butt to get out. Now, Jay, you know, I do not like Pat Narduzzi. I think Pat Narduzzi is a. I'm trying to be. I'm. I'm trying to be good on here. 
<laughs> I think he blows a lot of hot air. Okay. But kind of has a point. He does. He kind of yeah. has a point here. Now, Dion's response, and Dion is going to be referring to um, Pat Narduzzi losing uh, Jordan Addison to USC. This is the in reference to that, but also on the situation. So Dion goes, what is his situation when he came to Pitt? He had a different situation than me. Um, he is not mad at me. He is mad at the situation in football now that allowed his best player to leave a year ago. He's not mad at me. He's using me to shoot bullets at another coach he had an issue with. Now, this is the spicy part. I don't know who he is. If he walked in here right now, I wouldn't know him. Now that. So... (laughs) I love this interaction because it's two guys that I really don't love. Um, I think I hate Pat Narduzzi more than Dion, but Dion saying I wouldn't even know who he is is so awesome to me. <laughs> See, just big leagued him. God, I I just wish we could get these these two playing each other in a game. Oh, that'd be so good. Uh, if the Bull season gods have any, you know, shred of. Uh, Love for the fans. We'll get to see this contest because this is uh, this is intense. I mean, this is WWE type stuff, right? Like we mm-hmm. talked about with Jimbo and Saban last yeah. year. Except I think this, you know, there's not a previous relationship there, so the, no. I think it could uh, could really be uh, heated up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that you got to say about Pat Narduzzi, like it or hate it, he doesn't hold back from what he thinks. No, he, he does he, not. He does always speak his mind. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I do think that college football is a place where a lot of times people are too guarded and it makes things vanilla. Uh, Narduzzi is not one of those guys. And and Deion Sanders certainly isn't either. So this <laughs> no. is uh, this is a lot of fun. But uh, I, I do think Pat Narduzzi has a point here as far as, you know, it's not a good look to force guys out of your program. Mm-hmm. Uh, same token, I mean, <laughs> Deion Col- kind of has a point too. I Colorado's think Pat, bad. Yeah, Colorado's gonna have a uh, a rough time i do think dion has a point though like i do think pat's a little mad about addison still and uh th- that's part of why he's kind of upset in this scenario is everybody uh, right here Does everybody's everyone... right and everybody's wrong yeah everybody has a point literally everybody has a point i don't think there's anyone that's totally in the wrong i think if anyone is going to be in the wrong it's although it's the most entertaining piece about the squabble um it's Dion saying, I don't even know who I don't even know who he is. Uh if anyone's gonna be wrong. Um, but no, like they, they both have very, very solid points about everything. I, I do think, like you said, Narduzzi is right where it's a bad look, but on the same token, the Colorado's really bad. And if they wasted a scholarship on a guy who's not good, you know, you could very well take that away, but you gotta honor some of them. You know, yeah, but those two. Uh, oh man, see, it'll it'll never happen bec- this year because Colorado's terrible. And I, I know people are hyping up the the, the Dion train, and, and I think eventually it can work. I see Colorado probably being the worst. I they might be they might be the worst Power Five team this year. They were the worst Power Five team last year, and you know they were arguably the worst team in FBS. Uh, I think UMass may UMass have been bad. worse, pretty bad. But um, like, they're they're in contention for it. Let let me let me check this out here for a second. I, I want to see Colorado's schedule from last year. Um, they beat Cal. I think that was their one win. Yeah, and Cal's. In overtime, they beat Cal in overtime. Like, smoked by Air Force. Um, got smoked by Arizona. Arizona State was a complete dumpster fire with the coaches leaving, and they beat them. USC smoked them. Utah smoked them. And here's the other thing, Jay, and just by looking at this, and I thought this was the case, but, like, these games aren't even close. Like, 
Arizona State beats them by eight. You know, they do beat Cal. All right, congrats. You know, you beat Cal. I mean, Cal's getting better. Um, their their coach is kind of a little bit on the hot seat too. Coming yeah. in this year. He does have a contract extension till 2025, but um, what's his name? Jay. Justin Wilcox? I think it is. I think it's Wilcox. Let me, let me go ahead and it do is, a little it is Justin Google Wilcox. search. It is Justin Wilcox. I, it, I was going to call him Wilkinson, but I'm like, that's definitely not right. Um, Bud, Bud Wilkinson. But that's maybe who I was thinking about. Wilkinson. Yeah. <laughs> so Wilcox has an extension to 2025. He might get bought out because the buyout's kind of small. Um, so we'll have to see. But like, Kel has Kyle had a bunch of trouble on offense, and I think Colorado just did just enough to force that thing to overtime and then get get a get a win out of it. Um, they're going to be bad, and like I I don't want to disrespect I don't want to disrespect Dion's kid who he's he's going to go there and and be the quarterback. It looks like, but like, man, this ain't the swack. This ain't swack, you know. And like, dude, I listen, I, I love, I love those schools. Okay. Um, I, I think that they have so much rich history, but like, it's a different game here, man. Like this is, this is power five football. Yeah. You know, you're, you're not, again, you're not going to conference USA. You're not, it, or even the Sunbelt for that, that matter. Like you're playing division or power five football. And I think Colorado it, it might get ugly in some of these games because they lost a lot and they did not replace them with much. But uh, they they lost a ton and they I think they uh, they kick off the season uh, by uh, going to visit the uh, team that just made the national championship in TCU. Is that the first game of the year? First game of the year. You know what though? That might not be the worst thing. Because TCU, no, 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 honestly, TCU lost a lot. Yeah. TCU lost a lot. TCU is going to, I think a lot of those players are going to come into that game saying, we're going to kill them. And Colorado is going to have something to prove. That being the first game of the year might be closer. I don't know what the line is. Yeah. But I will say this. that There are, there are, Jay, I don't know if you're aware of this, but, and again, um, the buildings are big in Vegas for a reason, but there are people saying that Colorado's they're putting money on Colorado winning the Pac-12, which is wild. That's like that's literally burning money. Yeah, you're literally I, you're literally whatever sports book you use, you're literally saying here, take this, it belongs to you now because <laughs> it's crazy to me and it's a lot of casual people like oh Dion's gonna turn around dude you can't do this in a year you cannot you cannot do this in a year um i mean what sunny dax did last year at tcu was incredibly impressive but you had a mm -hmm. a lot of upperclassmen there colorado's you're not gonna have that uh colorado also gets nebraska in week two at home uh that'll be an interesting one because uh obviously you have matt rule coming in Mm mm-hmm the problem is their Pac-12 schedule, right? Like, if you're winning the Pac-12, you want to avoid some teams. And there's mm-hmm. no there's no uh, divisions anymore in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the uh, the big dogs, as I would call it, in the in the Pac-12 this year, are going to be Utah, USC, Washington, and Oregon. Yep those are your those are your four big ones. And Colorado plays all of those teams except Washington. So that's uh, Ooh, yeah. you get you get USC at home, but you're on the road at Oregon and you're on the road at Utah. And Salt Lake City is a tough place to play. Uh, the Otson Zoo can be a little tough too. Mm-hmm. And uh, here's the other thing: I think opposing fans are gonna want to see Dion lose. So Absolutely. I think. Uh, I think people may get up for those games more than uh, more than they might normally. When oh, absolutely! I will say this: love or hate Dion, he moves the needle. Absolutely, he's going to bring eyes, whether it's good or bad. He's going to be right. But listen, the Pac-12, um, like the thing with the Pac-12 is you said the Big Four there, but 
Washington State and Oregon State aren't going to be bad football teams. Yeah, Oregon State in particular. Uh, yeah. DJU up there now. Yep. Uh, I'm kind of interested to see what that uh, Oregon State team mm-hmm. di- does because they uh, – I mean, DJU, I think, needed a change in scenery. Mm-hmm. I still think he's an immensely talented quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe things weren't just, just weren't working out in Clemson. Maybe a change of uh, coasts will get him right. Uh, maybe not. But that's still a lot of weapons in Oregon State that they can win games without having good quarterback play. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then, like you said, Washington State's tough out, and they're playing at Washington State. Uh, mm-hmm. They play at Arizona State. Kenny Dillingham, I think, as, as a first-year head coach, is going to be an interesting one, too, because he's recruiting pretty well. Uh, yes. At UCLA, which is going to be a tough one too. Yeah, I mean, UCLA, UCLA though did lose. I mean, th- they lost DTR. Yeah, um, he's a big. That's a big for Chip Kelly's offense. But still, you got Chip Kelly on the other side. He's going to be cooking something up. You know, and I think the coaches are going to have this game circled too. Oh. If I'm being honest. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, even Arizona. Listen, Jet Fish. We said this. We were one of the Jay. We, we need to give ourselves credit on this one. We said last year Arizona would be a little – they're going to be an improved football team. And even yeah. though they're not there in wins and losses, I do think we've kind of looked at that as, hey, Arizona's not going to be bad. And I think they're going to take a step in, in, in the right direction next year too. Um, I do think – I think the Big 12 – or sorry, the Big 12. The Pac-12 is going to have a lot more parity this year. I do. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be a lot. It's going to be. It's going to be very competitive. I mean, I, I still think USC and Utah are going to be near the top, or mm-hmm. the four teams that we named. I really think Washington is going to be the team to watch in that conference this year. Uh, but yeah. there's uh, there's definitely going to be some some parity. Uh, I don't think Colorado is going to be part of that parity. <laughs> no, Colorado is not going to be. They're they're going to be. It's going to be. Sorry, it's 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 going to get ugly. It is going to get ugly. Um, okay. Let's, let's shift a little bit here. Um, all right. Jay, what do you got for us in the world of FCS? The FCS minute. So, uh, South Dakota state's head coach did it the right way. He won a national championship and he got the fuck out. <laughs> so shout out, shout out to John Stiegelmeyer. Uh, led South Dakota State to a championship and uh, he hung it up. And uh, you know, Jimmy Rogers stepping in as a new head coach. Mm-hmm. There, we'll see uh, how that program does. I still think they'll be a strong squad in twenty twenty three. Sam Houston State, who has been pretty good in the FCS ranks, uh, Jacksonville State's another school in the FCS ranks. Both moving up to FBS to the Sun Belt. Uh, so I think there's a chance for someone new to step up, but the problem is you still have old faithful North Dakota state hanging around in the FCS ranks. And like I said, I still think South Dakota state is going to be pretty good. Both of those teams, uh, but it could be interesting. You know, I think a a team like a Montana state Mm -hmm. could make a run. And I think, uh, incarnate word, even though, you know, GJ Kenny has moved on to the, to the Texas state job. Who I think he's going to be one to watch there as well. I think UIW uh, could be a problem down there in San Antonio uh, with with the new staff coming in. Uh, so it, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm looking forward to this FCS year, and we want to make sure that we highlight the FCS programs throughout the season. Uh, and that's why we're going to bring you all this FCS minute. I love it. I honestly do. FCS doesn't get enough love, so it's going to be nice. Um, Trent Dilfer makes. Uh, makes headlines, Jay. Um, so here's the deal with Trent Dilfer. Trent Dilfer is the new coach at UAB, which we were kind of surprised. Um, they were kind of surprised that they like picked him out of all people because like he was just kind of in the news of like you know getting in a player's face in high school. Like I don't know, it's just kind of a strange. It was a kind of a strange hire here. He said that. If any Power 5 coach goes in the DMs of any of his players, he will call them out by name. He will call them out by name with tampering. Fair or foul? I think that's bold. Uh, My favorite part of the story is that I think there was a – 
a high school coach in Alabama who uh, kind of called out Trent Dilfer for possibly recruiting high school athletes or getting him to come to the private school that Dilfer was coaching at. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I guess, like I said, I, I'm not going to get too mad at coaches for, for speaking their piece because mm-hmm. I, I do think we want more personality and, and more vocalness. Uh, and and open uh, open mouths in college football because it makes our job easier to Absolutely. talk about uh, makes the fun. sport. But uh, yeah, it's I mean, first year head coach at UAB uh, in a program that was brought from brought back from the dead by Bill Clark. Yes, uh, and I think a lot of players on that team wanted to keep their interim coach. I can't remember his name now, but. Uh, Dilfer ended up getting the job and, you know, he's, he's speaking boldly. We'll see, uh, we'll see if he lives up to those words. He is. Um, okay. And this is a perfect segue into our last topic of the day. Name one. So Jay, this is no honorable mentions. No, you know, I have three. No. It's one. You have one. That's, that's why I snuck all my first year coaches uh, yeah. that I wasn't going to mention in earlier in the yeah. show. <laughs> you got one. Coach to make noise in year one. Jay, who do you have? Jeff Brom. Uh, I have Jeff Brom at Louisville. I think, uh, first of all, Louisville wanted uh, Jeff Brom last time around uh, mm-hmm. whenever they were starting the coaching search. Ended up getting Scott Satterfield. Uh, Satterfield, I think, is a great coach, but I think uh, Louisville felt like they settled. And I think uh, Satterfield also felt like, you know, they kind of always wanted Brom instead anyway. Right. Uh, so I think that's part of why Satterfield moved on and, and why Louisville fans are so excited about Jeff Brom coming in. He's a, he's a Louisville guy, uh, happy to be back at the alma mater. The other thing, and the reason that I have this one kind of circled, Looking at the ACC schedule, uh, this is another conference that's skewing uh, divisions in 2023. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has no Clemson and no Florida State on the that's ACC conference nice. schedule. And, uh, you know, we talked about the Big Four and the Pac-12. Those are probably the big two in the ACC. There's some other programs that might hop up, but mm-hmm. I think Florida State is going to be a very, very dangerous program in, in 2023. And I think Clemson is Clemson, right? You, mm-hmm. like, you know they're always going to be tough. Uh, and and Louisville getting neither of those programs on the schedule means that I think they have a real shot when Jack Plummer transferring in from Cal, uh, formerly at Purdue with Brom, kind of getting reunited. I think that's a a recipe for a a very good year one uh, in Louisville. Yeah, I mean, looking at their schedule, um, I mean, uh, they have Georgia Tech, which, again, down. They'll beat Murray State. Um, Indiana, I think is going to be actually Indiana's tough because they were very bad last year, but they return a bunch and they're all like 23 years old. <laughs> so who knows there, but I don't think Indiana is really that good. Boston college. It, I mean, they're, they're uh, Jeff Halfley is on the, the hot seat there. NC state's rebuilding. Notre Dame's going to be a loss. Mark that down as a loss. Uh, Pitt probably a loss, but Again, you can you might be able to sneak one out there. Duke's decent. I think Duke's going to be okay this year. I think I think Duke is actually going to be a, a better team than Pitt, yeah. in my opinion. I do too. Um, P, um, pro uh, Pro Football Focus put out that Pitt's uh, power rankings. Pitt being the second team. I don't know. I, I think Duke. I think Duke has a shot. I think they had Duke like sixth. Um, Virginia Tech's rebuilding, and I feel really bad for Brent Pry because they, they're they're bad. That offense is bad, and I just hope they give him time to figure that out because um, Futane, is that how you pronounce his last name, Futane? I think so. Yeah, Futane, it, it, just a complete mess at Georgia or at Virginia Tech. Like, it, it, it's bad. Virginia is going through some pains. Miami's going through some. I think Cristobal might turn around a little bit this year. Kentucky. It's going to be tough. I, I, I think Louisville can win seven, eight games. I think that I think Louisville can definitely win seven games. I think so too. And I think at the the top end, I mean, if they get some bounces and maybe some guys that mm-hmm. you aren't expecting to show out, I think they can get the ten wins. 
I don't Ooh. think it's very likely, but I think they can get there. It's possible. Yeah. It's this, definitely this possible. I'm not I'm not predicting ten wins. I'm predicting like an eight win season, but yeah. something that impresses a lot of people. Yeah. Uh I and I think that. that like let's be honest here. Sonny Dyke's doing what he did at TCU is near unheard of. You have to step into a perfect situation. It's an anomaly. Yeah. It's so it's making the making nose as a year one head coach is, is gonna be mm-hmm. uh very tough. Uh but you know, I just think that Louisville's schedule and and some of the pieces they have in place set up nicely for Jeff Brom to, to make some noise in year one. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is with Jeff Brom, I mean, when he was at Purdue, Purdue was always interesting. Okay, Purdue was winning for the most part seven games, eight games a year, and for Purdue, that's great. Yeah, that's hey, if you're going to be a plucky team that's going to win seven, eight games a year, I think Louisville is okay with that too. Kind of, I think they're going to be okay with winning eight games a year, and who knows, in a softer schedule in the ACC, there's no reason why Louisville can start winning eight to nine, and I think then Brom's set for life. Yeah. Um, so I, on the other hand, I have I have Wisconsin. Uh, I think Luke Fickle's coming into a pretty good situation. Um, losing Leonard, um, defensive coordinator, is definitely going to hurt. But you got a nice core of defensive players there. Um, you got Mordecai transferring in at quarterback from SMU. Something they're going to have a dynamic quarterback that West Con- Wisconsin's not really, not really, or not really known for. And I think they just have the most in place right now to make a little bit of noise. And looking at their schedule. Um, they'll beat Buffalo at, at Wazoo might be a little bit tricky. Okay. Um, they'll beat Georgia Southern. They'll beat Purdue. They'll beat Rutgers, Iowa. I would count as a loss right now. I'm pretty high on Iowa this year. Illinois will be tough. That's a toss up. All right. A loss to Ohio state, but then you end the year beating Indiana Northwestern, and then you have two toss-up games with Nebraska and Minnesota. So you're looking at, if you're the Wisconsin Badgers, I think you're looking at seven, eight games a year. And I think that's kind of a, hey, if this is the rebuilding year, then I think we're in good shape. So I do think Wisconsin can get to eight wins. Um, I think they have the best chance to get to eight wins um, out of all the first-year head coaches. And, uh, yeah, I think Luke Fickle is going to, Again, I don't know if Luke Fickle's going to take him to the promised land and take him a step further than Chris, just because I don't know. I thought Paul Chris did a, a fantastic job there for years, but it's definitely going to be a little bit different. So I don't know. It's we're going to have to see. I think here's here's the other thing. I think at the best, I think at best, Wisconsin is going to be a team that will win the Big Ten. Once every five, six years, maybe seven years. And then if you look back, that's what Paul Christ is. I, I don't think it's going to change much. I think it can only get worse. Yeah, it's it's I'll say this. Luke Fickle is probably the coach I'm most interested to see mm-hmm. in, in 2023. Yeah. I think this is the coaching change that piques my interest the most. Uh, but, but I think you're right that he has a lot of pieces in place there in Wisconsin. Uh and I'm, I, he does get some of those games at home. Like Iowa is at home. Ohio State is at home. Nebraska is at home. Uh, obviously, you close the road on the or close the season on the road at Minnesota. That's going to be an interesting one for me. I think Minnesota is going to be an interesting program uh, to kind of monitor this year. I don't. Yeah. I don't know that they'll be good, but I'm just kind of interested to see what happens there. I think we may see the the start of PJ Fleck on the hot seat. Uh, well, according to the to the Minnesota the Minnesota beat writers, he's always on the hot seat. He should have been fired two years ago. Um, <laughs> I think Minnesota's going to have a little bit of a rebuilding year. Um, their new quarterback, I think, will be fine. Um, uh, Skalinowski. Yeah. Um, but again, you lose Mo Ibrahim. Um, but. I don't know. I, th- I think Minnesota is going to be Minnesota. They're, I, th- I think seven wins. They're going to be like a. They're going. They're a bowl team. They're yeah. a bowl team. And um, again, I, I think a lot of those people. It, it always surprises me that 
the big time journalists that say PJ Fleck underperforms are perfectly fine with the Minnesota Vikings not winning a Super Bowl. Yeah. Makes no it's sense a, to me. Funny how that works, but yeah, uh, it's crazy. Yeah, I do think Wisconsin's going to be an interesting program uh, to, to follow with with PJ or sorry with uh, with Luke Fickle in his first year. Uh, and as far as as far as two coaches with with a good chance to make waves, I think we did a pretty good job there with uh, oh, Jeff Brom and, and and Luke Fickle. Absolutely. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us once again. Now, I know we, I know we. Um, this is the first episode of season three, but we will not be joining you next week. We are uh, going to be celebrating uh, the 4th of July, so we're not going to be here next week. So we will be back July 11th. So mark your calendars. We'll be back uh, in two weeks. Jay, do you have anything to leave us with? Uh, make sure to follow the Get Back Coach on Twitter. Uh, that is the, T-H-E, the G-B coach at the gb coach on twitter that was a fabulous plug my man fabulous plug i mean i've been working on my ad voice i don't know if you can tell <laughs> i love the pocket talk one okay oh make sure you guys follow pocket talk too yeah it's a uh, pocket talk underscore fest that is p o k a t o k underscore fest on twitter and instagram Love it. Absolutely love it. We will see you guys in two weeks. Have a wonderful 4th of July. See you then. Have a great week.